Welcome to 2LO Rebooted, where we tell the stories of BBC Design and Engineering. I'm Bill Thompson. This is the second in our series of programmes from BBC Research and Development, exploring fundamental issues around the design of digital services and how we measure their impact. The programmes were recorded during the pandemic, when travel and sharing studios wasn't really possible in the UK, so the recording quality is occasionally variable. Hi, and welcome to the BBC R&D Human Values podcast series with me, Leanne Curlin, and my colleague, Ian Forrester. Over these five episodes, we are digging into the human values work we're doing inside of BBC R&D and exploring how our practice applies in areas such as measurement, applications and the post-COVID world. In our first episode, we described the framework and the underlying research and explored how our work resonated with a number of experts. Now we're going to look at how we can apply it to a range of design challenges. We'll hear from Katja Bago from Nesta, who is leading their work on the Next Generation Internet Project for the European Commission. Pauline Drescher from the Netherlands Film Festival, who is a member of the steering group of publicspaces.net. Alexandra Deschamps-Sansino from Design Swarm, a leading ethical thinker in the design space. And Solana Larson, editor of the Internet Health Report at the Mozilla Foundation. We kicked off by discussing the framework approach we've chosen. The interesting thing about the values is that it is somewhat of a framework and you know, as a framework it could be used for other purposes. We do see it as being a very general framework. It was designed to be quite general in the sense that anybody could really pick it up, be it designers, creators, and a way in which you can really think to the future and think about the impact that you're potentially having on your audiences or whichever language you speak. As we hear from Alexandra Deschamps-Sansino, who's an author, consultant and entrepreneur the design background, we hear her thoughts on what the human values framework could be used for. I think you could use it even for policy making right now. A lot of policy making at a, a governmental level even doesn't fulfill this framework. Uh, what you could also explore through this framework is whether the need for a physical object is uh, required at all. I think a lot of our reflexes in design is to think that a physical object is there to fulfill some of these needs and actually people fulfill these needs. People fulfill these needs for others and an object should be there to uh, facilitate when there's a social need that isn't being addressed as opposed to the replacement for a social interaction, the replacement for a social framework, the replacement for a political framework. I think I think it's interesting because um yeah one of the things that Alex talks particularly about is designers. So Alex is a designer herself and you know she talks about the double diamond I think she refers to it as um which I I'm not really come across myself but these frameworks are kind of used by by designers to validate uh, what they're doing is correct. And I, I find it interesting that she calls it kind of a, almost like a tool for decision making. So you're speaking about two different things there. So the decision making and using it as a tool to help better decisions, as well as using it as a post-rationalisation after the fact type of framework. 
unfortunately the latter will always be something that happens because naturally as humans we do quite a lot of the time post-rationalise our behaviour, post-rationalise our decisions and what we intend to do is use the ethical part to really get in at the start because I think there's always a tendency to try and validate something after which is not the intention of the framework. The framework really is to come even before the brainstorm, before the ideation, before the innovation to really question and think deeper Decision making is something that really interests me. It's the idea of how you get people to go from fulfilling immediate wants, immediate needs, immediate gratifications to thinking longer term. And in my view, it's very difficult to get someone, even just on an individual basis, to think the decisions that they make today, even in this moment, will have such a longer term impact and will set the stone for a catalyst of things to happen in the future both positively and negatively. It's extremely difficult in that sense, and I'm talking about it on an individual level. The difficulty of making decisions on a personal basis is hard enough, never mind thinking about changing the decision-making of whole teams and whole industries to think in new ways and longer-term ways that are not just about increasing their numbers and finding any means possible by doing so and then finding a framework to then validate the choices that they make. You could literally have, we've done the values, you know, we've, we've done all the work, we're following the values, we're, we're working towards the users, and then at the last minute someone goes, here's a lot of money, or our metrics have completely changed because we've now got um, a new sponsor or a new way of doing things. And, um, but I think the thing about the human values is that it's there from the beginning. It's there, and if you kind of follow it through, it will naturally lead you on the right path and it keeps you aware right from the beginning rather than, I think you're right about, kind of always comes in at the very last minute. Let's just interview a lot of users and see how they feel about this. Oh, they're really dissatisfied with what they're getting. Oh, we need to change it all now. And I think it's because they've not had that kind of guidance from the very beginning uh, following human values, which basically means that they are just kind of working to what one person thinks is the right way of doing things, rather than what their users actually really want. We go back to Alex to hear her thoughts about more applications of the human values framework. I think it should be something I could use. I think it's something every designer could use, but I also think other decision makers could use it. In the same way that people for whatever reason, have decided that a brainstorm is always required. I think this could be part of a, the toolkit for any idea generation. And if designers, especially I think of young designers, uh, who are now, I think, faced with the conundrum of having to enter into a post-post-post-capitalist environment where we have both pandemics and climate change, uh, the to question really whether something should be built at all, uh, because actually a service should be designed that involves people talking to each other in a particular way via a digital platform uh, versus an object trying to replace the connection that you could build, the sense of belonging you could build, the community that you could build. Um, I think that would be a really great way to force people out of the object will make the thing. The framework itself, that's why we have all those elements in place. 
We have human value cards to help with the ideation, to develop empathy, to really understand what it means to value something fundamentally and foundationally and why that's really important to people's lives. We want to develop empathy. I know within design they have a set of practices around that. What we try and do is have an ethical kit as well. So we have really key questions that help people to think about human values in in more broader ways, in more wider ways and more ethical ways. So we ask people things like, how would you provide recognition in ways that are not based on popularity? But we have a series of questions that really can guide you through. We say that human values should be at the, the start and the end, as well as in between as well. We want to really avoid having it coming in as a post-rationalisation because you can post-rationalise anything and you can always make the data fit. And that's not what we advocate. To briefly say, when the services are free, they rely on advertising revenue, which essentially means that they rely on numbers and time, which is so unhealthy. And there's loads of research out there that talks about the unhealthy effects that it has on our sleep and our our mood and, and our mental health and well-being. So when you solely increase the numbers and time without regard for the health of of the person at, at the other end, it really undermines that person's human value. Right now, we only have these sorts of metrics. When it's the only metric we have, people don't really have an alternative. And when they see everybody else doing it, it's psychologically, it's that, that crowd mentality, safety in numbers, everybody else is doing it, so it feels more acceptable to do it. People will just take any means possible to increase their numbers. Advertising in that regard has quite a lot to answer for because back you know, 20 years ago or so, when like pre sort of digital world, we had advertising, which was really essential for commercials, TV commercials. And the only way that they could measure whether people would see those advertisements were through numbers and time and reach consumption, all those sorts of metrics. But now we've got that on a grander scale where we've got that on people looking through their phones every single minute of every day and advertisers notifying people every minute of every day. Back to Alex and her view of the source of the problem. I think marketing as a sector is really to blame for a lot of what's been built by Silicon Valley um, because the, you know, the early computer people were kind of quite cute and quite sweet. And then marketers and marketing dynamics come in and I think that's when you have the real corruption. Katja Bago from Nesta, who is leading their work on the Next Generation Internet Project. I think it's in general really important to think more um, sort of about how to embed values into technology, into how we think particularly also about how we or how citizens or how people engage with using the internet. So one example um, I can think of of Nesta work that's sort of in the same genre is the Next Generation Internet Project, which I uh, lead. Um, and this is a project where we work with the European Commission uh, and we help them think about how you can make a more democratic, inclusive, also sustainable internet over the next decade or so. So we are really helping them with coming up with a policy agenda, but also a vision for what that kind of more value-driven internet should be. Um, and one specific project we're currently working on that, uh, within that project that I thought of, 
that was a bit similar is about thinking kind of the future of search and discovery. So it's really about search engines and how you find content online and how we can maybe think about making that, I guess, a bit more focused on what's useful for humans rather than what optimizes for clicks or what optimizes for sort of for profit. So how can we maybe use some of these new opportunities and personalization? So what this does is, I guess, maybe quite interesting for listeners as well, is that we're both really thinking about the policy side of things and that that was a bit more internal, but also kind of getting grassroots organizations from all over Europe, including the UK, uh, involved in that process. So there's a lot of funding available for smaller sort of R&D initiatives or people that have projects that, that would kind of engage with this human-centric element. So they're maybe building something cool that could help with privacy, uh, help I think, with people's privacy, online identity, these kind of topics. Um, and that's quite new. So that's really been the past year that that funding is available. So it's, but it's otherwise still quite new and we're really coming up still with the vision and a big story for what that should be. I guess there's also no final answer of what a better internet should be. So it's a constant dialogue you need to have with people working in the space on sort of various different aspects of the internet. And that's basically nowadays almost everyone. So it's a really big conversation and a very large topic, of course, with many different elements. You are listening to the Human Values Framework podcast series. Kind of a little kind of summary. I know you touched on it before but just a kind of summary of where we where the human values are right now and like you know what's available and what the kind of hope would be uh moving forward but i've also got some hopes as well so we have the framework but we're always learning from ways in which teams are using it because the way in which it's been used so far has been mostly internal in the bbc but very exploratory pieces of work it's been used a little bit outside of the BBC, but we hope to start using it in more case studies where we can start understanding the value that it brings to those projects. We want to use it as a design guideline within product development, both inside, outside the BBC. And our bigger goal is to establish metrics around our framework and then start looking at how well a service delivers on them that we can use as a basis for comparisons of value to individuals and society. We're hoping that we provide axes along which we will measure impact and from which we can start assessing what value is. I think ultimately both human values and everybody else that we've spoken to are all alluding to is that we're all thinking about a value-driven future, a value-driven internet, protecting people's privacy and their data. And it's what Pauline talked about with only the minority thinking about these issues so far. It's as though lately, much more people have been thinking about the health of people and the society and thinking of new measurements, new ways of doing things, which is just brilliant to see. And I think it starts with education, it starts with awareness. So being able to translate some of these principles online is a good way. Awareness, discussion is really important. What I will say is that it is a shared problem, it's a societal problem, and it's key to start having these discussions now. And we have a reflection from Pauline Dresler. Pauline Dresler is an independent creator and researcher in the field of digital media. She's one of the creators of the Netherlands Film Festival and is also on the steering committee for publicspaces.net. Most of my colleagues at the film festival where I work, they have had heard of privacy issues, etc., but they were not really invested. 
So with uh, Ian and with many other people, it's still a minority of uh, mankind who, who is really worried about this whole internet difficulties. So, so with our manifesto, uh, where we are trying to find uh, technical implications for, for uh, norms like uh, open, transparent, accountable, sovereign, user-centric, etc. Et well, it was very often just a small group of people worried about this, this general online problem. And since COVID-19, suddenly it's not just us. It, it, it's a much larger awareness. And I think that's, that's really a good thing because it's, it's more on the agenda of governments, of, of uh, businesses uh, um, and organizations, public organizations, but also cultural organizations. One of the things that you said is the awareness. Uh, I remember, so for people who may not be aware of what the Badges Project is, um, back when there was the early days of the web, there was these things called... Um, uh, HTML validators and so on the bottom of a page it would say this page is HTML for compliant and you click on it it would take you to a page which would show you that this page has gone through all these kind of like checks and when it go through the checks it would give you a validated score and sometimes there's validations for accessibility, for example, to say, uh, I can't what the, uh, was it the WCAG or um, a standards call, but you have these kind of badges. What Pauline uh, talks about, and uh, you know, it's something that would be very fascinating with human values, is to make a badge which would indicate what the value is or what, what, you know, what's driving the service. Is the service about just pure enjoyment, or is it about helping you to to be safe and well, for example, and to be able to kind of create those kind of badges and can we be upfront and say this service is driven by this, so it's not like a an a thing that just happens in the in the production of it, but also it's a thing that people can learn more about and understand the values. And I think through the badges project you could do something like that but it would be something that anyone could adopt and put on their own site or put on their own service and i think that's quite interesting as a practical application but also raising awareness of what the human values is about and how important it is to that organization or that company or whoever it is this is something that pauline and publicspaces.net are already exploring we just uh, realized the, the, the first, the zero batch, that's a batch uh, when you uh, put it on, on your website. That means that you are actually have signed the manifesto of public spaces uh, in which the values of open, transparency, accountable, sovereign, and user-centric uh, are aligned. Um, the next batch we are working on right now is about not tracing and tracking. We are working on a Batch for proof of provenance, but this is actually the idea of batches is, is not that we as public spaces are the only ones who develop the ideas or the new concept of the new batch. It's also a communication tool that, for example, we are really happy to invite the BBC to co-develop with us a next 
that may be more in line with your research about uh, personal values. So the badges are a tool for anyone to make visible something that was not visible before. And maybe over time it can be possible to combine badges. Like if you have five, maybe then you, you look back to your whole trajectory. You think, okay, the, the first three are basically maybe good to combine them in one batch. So you don't have 100,000 batches at the end of the line, but so you, you slowly you know, can narrow uh, down in directions when it's necessary, but at the same time you can make it wider when it's, it needs to be. So I think it would be a really interesting uh, uh, effort, uh, Ian, to, to, to see if we could come up with a concept for the, the next batch in which those human values are being uh, addressed as you have been researched them uh, at the BBC. But, but this is exactly it, uh, how, which makes it, besides the just being a batch, the whole project is also a discussion point. You know, it's it, it's in itself, it's a way to talk about awareness, to talk about your values, and to see how much of those values are you actually prepared for to use in a very practical way in your organization. You know, it, it, having, uh, having values in your personal life and just talk about them and agreeing with them is one thing, but actually implement them in a technical way that may have consequences. And are you willing, are you prepared, are you able to, to, to deal with those? And, and that's something we need to talk about. And that I think those, those awareness steps are, that's the first thing you have to do to, to, to make a change on a bigger level, on a bigger scale. That's really interesting. I think if we could raise awareness in that way and have technical solutions would really start expanding the discussion I think Pauline also talked about how badges are there not only as a sort of technical element they're there and, and a way to show that you are adhering to a set of principles but also as a way to open discussion and have these really deep meaningful conversations I mean, I've got a badge on my own blog, uh, which is my kind of uh, green credentials uh, for the server that I'm using. And it is interesting. It's a, it's a start of a conversation to see it and to go, oh, click through and it tells you more, but also to kind of associate it with the person who's writing that blog. In the same way, having Cuba values kind of almost like codified into a forum where people can can explore, can see, understand and explore and fully appreciate why decisions were made, how they were made, could be quite powerful uh, for human values. I think anything that pushes forward the idea of making a better internet and a better society is a good thing to have. I guess the, the the last practical application that we had is uh, a discussion with uh, Solana from Mozilla and um, they they build this thing called the 
it's in the health report, uh, which is looking at a more societal level. That notion of uh, having the values and then having the external uh, on the same fr- in the same framework was an interesting one, an interesting discussion. When we created the Internet Health Report, we tried to think of a way to talk about something like technology in a way that was relatable on a human level, which is why we use the word health. Um, And we tried to think about what it means for the internet to be healthy from, you know, how it exists on the device in your pocket to how it affects the entire world um, or a country or a society. Um, And I think that kind of range from the personal to the global is what we're talking about when we're thinking about the entire ecosystem of the internet and how people engage with it. So I guess when we're talking about human values, um, you know, human is a tricky word and it's used interchangeably with humanity, humane. um, And I think where your emphasis seems to be is a lot on the individual. And I just wonder if you were to ask people questions about their values for society, um, you know, what, what, what you want for yourself might not be the exact same thing that you want for society or for the public or, or however you define it for the world. Um, and I think that is the challenge for us in, in these times <laughs> with this kind of media ecosystem and this kind of communication structure is that the, the, the personal and the global um, have become so intertwined um, and just like the private and the public have. So I think that any assessment of um, what is valuable also has to look beyond just uh, the personal or the gratification. But I think also nowadays, a lot of our value systems um, and belief systems, particularly in terms of um, consumption of information um, and entertainment online is being defined or kind of changed by the way that we interact with social media um, and different kinds of websites. So, um, you know, it's, it's almost like the, the, the discourse, the narrative, the way that we think about what is valuable has been shifted by um, the very companies um, that I think public media probably wants to set itself up as a, as a counterpoint to. I think ours, more than anything, is a, a communication project to try and figure out how to talk about these things um, and how, how to assess and think about how to work towards, you know, a different, a different reality. I think this, these are really great ways in which we can start building out from having that personal value to the societal value. So any way in which we can connect with Solana, for example, in the Internet Health Report and looking at how human values are embedded within that to ha- essentially make good in society as well as for people. Agreed. There's a lot of potential with Nesta's Next Generation Internet Project, the Badges Project with Public Spaces and Pauline, and Mozilla 
and the Internet Health Report, there's a lot of potential and I believe that there's a lot more that can be explored with the Human Values Framework. Thank you for listening and thanks to Alexander Deschamps-Sansino, Salada Larson, Katja Bago and Pauline Dresler for their contributions. This has been a podcast from the Human Values team at BBC Research and Development. For more information, visit our website at bbc.co.uk slash rd.